When we first encounter Moses in the Bible, how would you describe Moses? Like we see him when he first was was told to uh, go up to speak to Pharaoh. Like what was Moses' reaction to that? Like he was pretty timid. He wasn't exactly confident in his abilities to do what the Lord called him to do. He had a thousand excuses left and right about why he was the wrong person for the job. Not only was the job too big for him, he was not qualified. And not, but not only was he not qualified for the job, he was scared to do it. In fact, he didn't think he had what it, what it took to do that job because he didn't consider himself eloquent of speech. So he didn't have the guts and he didn't have the what? The confidence or even just a simple ability to speak in front of Pharaoh. There are so many things that, that, that he just felt completely insecure and unqualified to do what the Lord has told him to do. But none of that meant anything to the Lord. It, it meant absolutely nothing. I mean, it's such, it's a blessing even that God kind of met him where he is. Okay, you can have your brother Aaron to kind of be a little crutch. And isn't God a good God? And sometimes when we're a little bit scared, he, he gives us a little bit of encouragement and he allows us to have a little bit of a crutch, you know, to do what he called us to do. He, he calls us to do things greater than our abilities, but he meets us where we are to give us the ability to do it. And thank you, Adonai, for that. But bless Moses' heart. He did not run away from the, the calling that he had. He pushed through his anxiety. He, pu he pushed through his insecurity. He pushed through his fears. And he pushed through his negative thoughts that I cannot do this job. In spite of how he felt about himself, he did it anyway. And this is the call of faith. It's not about how we feel about ourselves. It's just about being obedient to the calling that God has given us and obeying his instruction to do what he's called us to do. There are many times he puts something in front of us and we just have to go through it even though it seems too big for us or we don't have the capacity to conquer this thing. We just have to do it. We have to go through it. So Moses was, you know, a lot of people think he was a stutterer when he said he's slow of speech. I don't necessarily think he was a stutterer. I think it's more that he did not consider him, his, himself to have a righteous tongue. I think it's a very similar thing that when Isaiah encountered God and he just said, you know, I'm a man of sinful speech. I, I believe it's the same type of thing that, that Moses was saying or the same type of attitude. I don't think he really had a, a speech impediment. But I'll tell you one thing, that he was not exactly confident. Well, we encounter Moses again in the Torah portion that we are reading today of Korah. 
Now, Korah, do we know the story of Korah? So Korah rebelled against Moses, right? Like him and 250 folks just kind of went against Moses. Now, sometimes I get a little heart palpitations when one particular person comes to me and says, I want to talk to you about the message again because I don't really agree with it. <laughs> now, and I don't mean to make fun of your voice if you were that one person. Because <laughs> your voice is lovely. Now, imagine 250 people coming against the rabbi, you know, and saying that we don't, we don't like what you did. You know, or whatever it is, or trying to take over, or trying to usurp authority. And then after the whole experience with Korah happened, like the whole congregation of Israel kind of came against Moses. You know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough job for a guy that was anxious about confrontation. But I think something must have happened to Moses over his, his, his tenure and his journey of being a leader over the people where whatever fears of confrontation that he must have had in the beginning, they don't seem to certainly be there when he was confronted by Korah. Whatever fears he had at the beginning certainly seems to be gone. Now, I am not somebody that really cares much for confrontation. I really, I really value and look up to people that really are okay with confrontation. A lot of people are. Some people just kind of lean into it, and we know it's part of life, and whatever it is, and... You know, I'm not so great at it. It's more of a confession. I'm not so great at confrontation. I, I, I don't really like it when people want to tell me, like, oh, I don't like this or that or this, you know? And I like it even less when I have to go to somebody else and say, I don't like this or that or this. It's not something that's very comfortable for me. But you learn, as Moses did, that sometimes you just got to go through it. You got to go through it. There's nothing... You can't avoid it. In fact, avoiding it would be as simple as Moses saying, God, I reject your calling. Because sometimes you just got to go through what's uncomfortable to get to the other side of it. You have to do it. And anybody like have a confrontation and then like you're done with the confrontation and then later on you think, boy, if I only said this. The best stuff comes later, you know? Like, after it's all done, you're like, oh, if I only think, because then you're thinking about it, and all of a sudden, the, the, the best zingers come to mind. <laughs> after the whole thing is done, oh, if I only thought of, that, thought of these words then, it would have been like a perfect spiritual punch in the gut for that person who really needed it. Right, Barbara? So... But Moses didn't seem to have that problem because the stuff that came out of Moses' mouth when he was having this confrontation is like super epic amazing. Like, he was telling the stuff that most people, after they had a confrontation, oh, I wish he said that. If the ground opens up and swallows you whole, oh, then we will know that the Lord is with me and not with you. Like, that's cool stuff. Like, I wish when I was in confrontation, I had the chutzpah to say, if the Lord opens the Quran and swallows you up. Now, I really don't really want to say that. Because 99.9% .9 of you, when you come to me and say, you know, I really want to talk about the thing you said, you're coming to me in love, and I really, really value that. 99.8% of you come to me in love, and I really value that. 98% of you, when you come to me, you come to me and 90% of you, when you come to me with confrontation, say, like, I really don't. 85% of you, when you said, please, 67% of you, when, when you come to me and say what you said, I don't think I, 49% of you will top it at that. Seven times seven, 49. 
two prime numbers, end of discussion. So he seemed to be okay with confrontation. For me, I'm not okay with confrontation, but the lesson always for me is you gotta get through it. There is a way to the other side of this. And that's the way it is with all the things that we kind of fear and we kind of think that we don't have the ability to do it. I've also shared that I have, sometimes I have trouble in my mind, purely in my mind, you know, of like, I like, sometimes I deal with like social phobia. I've mentioned it before. Where like, if I'm talking to somebody like on a one-on-one -on -one basis very often, like I feel a little bit of, a little bit of fear. I don't know if anybody relates to that, but it's something I've dealt with my entire life. Like I remember being like five years old and talking to like my friend that lived next door to me in Long Island, you know? And when he came, like I just felt this, just like a little bit of like phobia, like a little bit of fear, you know? And I always gravitated towards friends who um, did all the talking. Because there are never any like dead silence or anything like that. That would, that would make me want to run, you know? Um, so, but just like confrontation, really what I needed to learn is like what you're dealing with in your head means nothing. Ultimately, it means nothing. You've got to go through it. So you know what the solution is to social phobia? Have social situations. Yeah. That's the solution. And just do it. And just face it and get to the other side of it. You know how many like, confrontations I've had in my life? I've had a lot, as many of you as everybody has. Guess what? We're still here. I've dealt with many things that I've had to that I've been afraid of but had to address. Guess what? I'm still here. And I'm still running and talking to you. And stronger. So and stronger. Because the things that the Bible says that doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. That's the book of uh, Lucille, <laughs> chapter 18. It's a good chapter, life. It's almost like I see it as, well, you know, I see it as, um, I see it as the verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's more about temptation. The verse itself is about temptation. Like if you experience a temptation to sin, God will enable, give you the way out of it so you don't sin. That's really what it is. But you know what? The, the Greek word for temptation is also used just for trial. If you take a look at that word in a concordance, thank you, Barbara, for that gift of the concordance. When you take a look at that word, you'll see it's also used in the New Testament just for your trials. So imagine if it, if it reads like this, no trial has overtaken you except something common to man. Now, that, that's a, like an old-fashioned way of saying, if you're dealing with something, it's already been dealt with. It may feel like you're the only person in the universe that's ever dealt with it, but guess what? Nah. That's exactly what it means. No temptation has overtaken you except something that is common to man. That means that other people have dealt with this also. It's not as new or unique or exclusive to you as you may think. That's what that means. And God is faithful, so he will not allow you to be tempted or to have a trial beyond what you are able. Now, how encouraging is that? Very. That means if you have a trial, a, a big trial, 
He fused you. He was like, you can handle it. You can take it. You can handle it. As tough as it is, as challenging as it is, I'm giving it to you because you can handle it. You may not feel it. You can handle it. You may not feel that you have what it takes to, to even get through the sadness or the trial. I know you can. But with the temptation, he provides the way of escape so that you can endure it. So any trial that you're going through, there's a way of escape. It reminds, well, I'm going to have to ask now for a volunteer. This is going to be a show and tell type of thing. Peter, today it's not going to be you. You can take that video like you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So I need a volunteer, and it would be helpful if it's somebody that has uh, pretty good eyesight. All right, Donna, come on. Donna loves the volunteer type of stuff because this is the stuff that she does. You know, she likes to do things that incorporate other people. So I'm going to have Donna sit by the computer. But before you sit by the computer, I'm going to sit by the computer and I'm going to set up what I'm going to set up. Uh, you don't have to read. So let's see. So let's see. Hold on a second. So let me end this slideshow here. Good. And I'm going to do that there, there, and I think I have this up here, and I'm going to click here. There you go. Boy. All right, Donna, here's your job. <laughs> so this, if you can sit here, what you can do, let me set it up. Now, are you familiar with using a computer? All right, can you navigate like a mouse pad on a laptop? Look. You use like a regular mouse. Well, I'm going to show you how to use this mouse, okay? So hold on. Can we get a different volunteer, she said. Your computer, sir. Come on, Bob. Oh, your wife is volunteering, Bob. You've been volunteered. Oh, I know. All right, so Bob, what you're going to do is you're going to sit here. Okay? Oh, now I have this on pen. Okay, do you see the little red dot? Yeah. So the left click is like here on the left side of the thing, and this use your fingers to move it around. So what you need to do is kind of like try to get through the maze. Can you do it? <laughs> you will do your best. Let me. Alright. So I'm going to continue. As Bob tries to solve this maze. Okay. So, in this maze, there's a way in, and there is a way out. Getting from there to there is doesn't look easy for sure. But the path is laid. There is a path, a straight path, from the entrance of the thing that looks very complicated and hard to get through to the end of it. Are you doing okay there, Bob, with the pen? I don't see any movement whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can help. All right. Do you want to help? Whoops. Come on. So Elaine's going to help you. No, oh, there he goes. Okay. He went through the obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the way through it. You just draw the line. 
<laughs> right over the obstacle. And to prevent these stupid little turns and twists, I'm going right to the end. End of demonstration. <laughs> All right. What the point I'm trying to make here is that when God places an obstacle before you, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, He will provide the way out. Yes, He will. The way of escape. It's there. And this is something we need to always realize when that challenge, when that thing is in front of us that we don't feel that we have the ability to do or we're too scared to do it. The way out is already laid. But how do we get from here to... <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 37 says the steps of a man are established by the Lord. Amen. And he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. When he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. When he falls, not if he falls or if she falls, it's a when, it is not. Go back to your life. Enough of this. I think he missed the exit by like, he plowed through the wall just to get out of it. I would do the same thing. The Lord breaks down the barriers. <laughs> the veil has been rent. When he falls, he will not be hurled down. It is it is a when. It is thank you, Bob. Anybody else want to try now that we know what it is? No, 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 no,
leave out of this thing. There's a way out. There's a way out. And press into that. Oh, if, 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 if we only did that in our, in our struggles, if we didn't look at it as such a mountain, but we recognize this is big. This is bigger than me, and it's big, and it's I'm, I don't even think I'm qualified to go through it, or I'm scared to do it. There is a way, a path to the other side of it. And if I allow the Lord to walk and the Father to hold my hand through it, it says the steps are ordered. The steps are established by the Lord, which means that if Bob did this and the Lord is holding his hand, the Lord says, okay, when you went here, that was a wrong turn. So let's bring you back because the reality of it is the Lord knows the path. The Lord knows the path through. The Lord knows the path through. And wouldn't it be great if he gave you this in the beginning? Yes. But he doesn't do that. He gives you this in the beginning. But he knows this. He knows this. He knows the way through it. And if we make a mistake, if we wind up going off the path, and we wind up over here somewhere at dead ends, the Father holds your hand. If we just continue to trust in him, he will just say that move you made down here was wrong. That left turn wasn't the right turn. So let's bring you back to where you made the wrong turn. And I'll set you forward again. That's what God does. That's how he orders Amen. our Amen. steps. The Father is so good. I remember this one time as a child. Uh, I was in 10th grade in Metuchen High School in New Jersey, and I was taking sophomore level high school geometry. And I used to be, I thought I was pretty good at math, like my mind is pretty good at math. So I was taking this geometry class, and um, there were only two tests in this class. There was a midterm and a final. And I failed the midterm. But I got an A in the class. How do you get an A in a class when you fail the midterm? Even if I got an A on the final, it averages out to a C, right? So how does one little sophomore high school Brian Samuel Unterberger get an A in this geometry class. Well, the classes were about um, geometric proofs. Does anybody know what a geometric proof is? I thought geometric. 
Okay, Barbara does not have the answer to my question. <laughs> so anybody know what a geometric proof is, a geometry proof? Or anybody remember what they took that in the class? So apparently, so let's say you have a shape, right? And the shape looks like this. And this side is, you know, is, is three inches long, and this is 2.5 inches long, and the center point is here. Prove that the line from here to here is the same as the line from here to here, or something like that. It's a way to kind of go through methodically, it's called a proof, to, to, to come to the conclusion. Don't even worry about what all that stuff means, because I don't even remember what any of it means. All I can tell you is that it was not entering into my noggin at all. It was bouncing off my rock-hard skull, and it was not entering into my brain. And I got an F in the midterm. My father was really good at math, and he sat me down. He said, I'm going to show you how to do this. And my father opened up old textbooks. God knows why he still had them. This is the stuff he did for fun. It's true. He sat me down and he explained it to me. And when I heard it from the father, my father, I got it. I got it. And it clicked. And it clicked so much that I I was really good. I started to really get into computer programming. Like, anybody remember like the Commodore VIC-20? And anybody remember those old computers? Yeah. Um, I used to have like a Commodore VIC-20 and I used to learn how to program in, in basic. In fact, I used to go to the mall in New Jersey where they would have all these computers and the computer screens. And I would make these little programs that would uh, that would um, like provoke people to come and use it. Hi there, what's your name? With a little text box. It seems so simple these days, but it was actually complex. And people say, my name is John. And then I would curse out John. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I used to do. You must have but I used to also make these elaborate games. Like I was pretty good at computer programming. So once my father explained to me these geometric proofs, I decided I was going to make a computer program that solved it all for me. And I wrote it. So now it was time for the final. And I went to my teacher. His name was Mr. Crocky. So I went to and so I took the test. And because the father showed me how to do this, I got an A in the final. And Mr. Crocky came to me and said, How did you get how did you come how did you tell me? How did you get from the F to the A? I said, My father showed me the way. And he said, not only did he show me the way, I got it so intimately, I wrote a computer program that learned that I taught a computer how to do it. He says, I gotta see this computer program. So I brought him into the computer lab in the high school and I showed him how to, I showed him what I wrote. He was so impressed with me, he turned my midterm F into an A. And I got an A in the class. It was an A divided by an A is an A. A plus A divided by 2 is A. The average of A and A is A. So, that is what the Father does. When you can't do it, he'll sit with you and show you the way through it. Bless the Lord. So always, always know 
that the struggle is hard. It says in the psalm, we're gonna fall in this thing. It's gonna be hard. But know there's an other side of it. Be committed to that. Commit yourself to knowing there is another side of this thing. And enter into it knowing that there is a way out. There is an escape. There's an other side to this. And I'm going to hold on to God's hand. He holds my hand. And I'm going to go through this thing a little bit at a time. I'm reminded of the scripture in Acts when Paul was told, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to get beat up. In fact, a prophet came and actually gave him this real prophetic word. These are one of those things like, you know, it's really easy to give prophetic words, but it's even cooler when you give a prophetic word with a little bit of example. Like, those are the cool prophecies. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have it here. So, as we were staying there, this is Acts 21, 10 through 14, as we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus, I always thought Unterberger was bad, <laughs> came from Judea, and he came to us, and here he goes, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands. See, like, the, the visual demonstration, the, the coolest prophets give the visual demonstrations. He came to us and took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit said. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt. It was Paul's belt. And hand him over to the Gentiles. But when Paul heard this, well, I'm sorry. When we heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him, begging Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. But then Paul said, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am, only, I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord, Yeshua. And since he would not be persuaded, we became quiet, remarking the will of the Lord be done. See, Paul knew that the journey was going to be tough. And in fact, all that stuff did happen. He was beaten. He was bound. But there was another side of it. He did not die. In fact, he got to preach big time. Not only to the Jewish people, but to the governor. To Agrippa. The Lord did an amazing thing through that. So I encourage you when that big trial comes, whether you're too scared to do it or you think it's too big for you, lean in to that scripture that says God provides the way. He provides the way. It may look like this, but God has this. And trust that He does. Trust that he does because he does. But he'll reveal it to you as you progress through it. So go through it. And don't fear. And don't be discouraged. If you make a wrong turn, he'll bring you back to the right path. Just acknowledge him in your ways, and he'll direct your path. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Amen.